And so she introduced me and, you know, I, I met with them and talked to them and it ended up being a good fit for both of us. And so I, I started working here. So that was really just by knowing the right person to ask. Do you ever have so many questions and no one to ask? So they're just wasting away on Google searches you'll forget about in an hour or so. We had that same problem and that's why we created the RD to be podcast, a resource for dietetic and nutrition students looking for answers that their peers don't have. We are students Macy and Emily and registered dietitian Carl Barnes. We engage in conversations and learn from RDs. Join us weekly as we gain insight into the unique journeys of registered dietitians all over the country. Welcome back to another week of the RD2B podcast. I'm your registered dietitian host, Carl Barnes. This is our weekly podcast where we sit down with a different registered dietitian each week to showcase the diversity of opportunity in the profession and really dismantle the notion that there is a traditional career path by showcasing the the many different routes that your career can take at different times. Very excited to be sitting down with Dr. Krista View today. She's from the Food and Drug Administration. Thank you so much for spending time with us today, and we're looking forward to learning more about what you've done and what you do. Uh, so hi, my name is Krista View. I am a metabolic dietitian. I started at the University of Utah, um, where I worked there for eight years. During that time, I achieved my master's and my PhD. From there, I went to Boston Children's Hospital and continued in metabolism. And since then, I've actually moved again to um, the Washington DC area. And now I work at the Food and Drug Administration. I'm not doing metabolism, but working still with, with infants. Great, well, thank you, Dr. View, for being here today. Um, so when you were a metabolic dietitian, what did you do during that time? So a metabolic dietitian is really someone who works with infants, children, and adults with inborn errors of metabolism. So these are inherited genetic conditions in which you have a change or mutation in your DNA. And so you do not properly metabolize a certain nutrient. I think the most common example would be say phenylketonuria or PKU. In that case, you do not make the enzyme phenylalanine hydroxylase, so you cannot convert phenylalanine into tyrosine, and that very simple change has devastating effects. Um, now, fortunately, PKU and over 50 other inborn errors in metabolism are caught on newborn screening, and so what happens is a baby's born, they have their heel pricked. If one of those tests is positive, many times they will call the metabolic clinic and that's where the physician and the metabolic dietitian will often get involved. Um, so I really think it's, it's a very interesting area. Um, it's a challenging area, which I think attracted me to it because we have, you know, these essential nutrients that we have to figure out, okay, how do we give just enough of that essential nutrient assessing, you know, the laboratory values, the clinical status of the patient and the growth, because these are infants to make sure that we are not causing iatrogenic nutrient deficiencies or other problems um, without causing, you know, the negative sequelae of, of whatever condition, you know, we are actually treating. So mm -hmm. I think it's, it's really an interesting area that you have to um, have a lot of problem solving skills and, and really it's very clinically focused where you are, you know, routinely assessing all those parameters that I, I just said. Sure. So I know you're obviously different from a pediatric dietitian, but what would, what is the main difference, I guess? 
It's a good question. So we are pediatric dietitians. Um, I think one difference is that because these are inherited conditions, you know, it's a chronic disease. So you're going to have it your entire life. And um, I mean, there are new therapies coming out like gene therapy and things, but that's, that's another story. Um, so in our clinic, we actually would treat infants, children, and adults. So because um, inborn errors in metabolism are quite rare. So in many centers or many states, there may only be one clinic. Now you do have some states say like uh, Boston, for example, they have several clinics because it's a very you know, densely populated area. But when I started in Utah, you know, they had one main clinic and then one very small clinic in Southern Utah. So, you know, we really have to treat everyone. So we, we do treat, you know, like I said, the lifespan, um, but also, you know, we're a pediatric dietitian, but we're a very specialized pediatric dietitian. So, um, you know, when it comes to other conditions in pediatrics, I'm reaching out to my, you know, my renal colleagues, my GI colleagues. Um, but whenever, you know, a, a metabolic patient is hospitalized, they are calling our team because everyone's a little bit afraid of, of our patients, um, which I would say, you know, don't be afraid of our patients, but call us. I, I think they're, it's really a fun, a fun area to be in. I'm sure. So I know that you received your education um, at Utah State, and now you're in the DMV area. So what made you decide to move from Utah to um, like the DC, Maryland, Virginia area? Sure. Um, so that actually wasn't my choice. Uh, like I said, I was working at the University of Utah, and actually I had just received a promotion. And so I really wasn't very keen to move at the time. I, I had a great position, um, but my husband's job moved him to Boston. And, um, you know, even though I wasn't keen to move, it really worked out, I think, to, to my benefit. And I would encourage anyone that has the opportunity to try a different center, you know, maybe within your same field to do so because you can learn a lot. Um, but, but I was able to go to Boston Children's and work essentially in my same position in metabolism. And so I really think that improved my clinical skill set. I was able to learn from really fantastic dietitians, a whole new team of physicians, and it opened up opportunities that wouldn't have been available to me otherwise. Um, so that was kind of that initial move. And then once again, the move was my husband's job um, over to the DMV area. And, and I think that that's opened up opportunities that, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't had before. So I would encourage everyone to try something new if you can. Most definitely. So kind of like you said earlier, this is such a niche field, right? So how did you get into it? Oddly, I think I've always been interested in metabolism. You know, I, I learned about it when I was shadowing dietitians in high school and they mentioned PKU and how they, you know, they talked about it, that it was a challenging area. And, you know, that always kind of piqued my interest. Um, and then when I was going through my, my coordinated program, we had our one lecture on inborn errors and I reached out to the dietitian and said, Hey, if you need anything, I'll do anything for free, you know, and um, when I went to, you know, do some education work for them, they happened to have an opening for a diet tech. And then that just opened the door and I was able to get a job right out of college in this area, which is, you know, something that I really wanted. That's great. So since you have such a strong clinical love, what made you want to get your PhD in public health? So um, I always knew that I wanted a terminal degree. And I am very interested in research and wanted to run my own studies. So that was part of the, you know, the research background in the PhD. Um, public health specifically, 
You know, I think so much of what we do is behavior based, you know, I mean, you can tell everyone all day to, you know, quote unquote, eat a healthy diet, but you have to actually go out and do that. And so I was, I've always been really interested in the, the psychology and, you know, how to create and motivate people to, to actually um, achieve, you know, these behavior changes that we're asking them to do. And so at first I looked into psychology and that didn't seem like a good fit for me. And then I looked at the, the program in um, public health and before I hadn't realized that they had such a heavy focus on behavior change. And so that was a good fit. Of course. So what, um, I guess if you were to see yourself now when you were a dietetics student, what do you think you would say to yourself? Um, if I was a dietetic student looking at me now, so in that case, I mean, I think, I think I would be happy with, you know, where we've, where I've gone so far. I was always really interested in developing an expertise in a specific area. And that's something that I really tried to do. I mean, I'm still very early in my career and who knows where, you know, life will take us next, but, um, but I think I would be happy. So would you mind talking about the process of getting a PhD and how long it is? What um, made you want to do the specific research you did? Mm -hmm, sure. Um, so every program is a little different. And it was important to me to find a program that enabled me to work simultaneously because I was already in the metabolism clinic. I knew that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to take time out for, you know, to just focus on a PhD. So that that might be different for, you know, for viewers out there. Um, and it, it may be beneficial for you to just do the PhD program, but I decided to do both simultaneously, which was rough, I will say. Um, so I did it in four years, but once again, I mean, PhD programs are incredibly variable depending on the type of research you're doing and the type mm -hmm. of PhD you're getting. So you really can't say that, well, it's just going to be a four-year program, but so the first two years of my program were really um, didactic. And so as you know, taking a lot of classes, it had several exams to qualify, you know, for the for your PhD, and then you really focus on your dissertation. So for my dissertation, I wanted to do behavior change and behavior change in metabolism. So I looked at motivational interviewing for um, patients with PKU mm -hmm. to see if if we had more frequent contact with them, if we use these motivational interviewing techniques, if we could motivate them to improve their, what we call metabolic control, hmm. um, to see if we could reduce their blood phenylalanine levels and, and help them adhere to their diet more closely. And so, so that's, and that's something that I really wanted to do, um, which once again was, was how I chose my advisor because I wanted someone who would support you know, this research idea that I had rather than me working on kind of their studies. Mm -hmm. um, but there are pros and cons to, to both. I mean, I think, you know, working on a study that your advisor has already kind of established can be very beneficial. So I would definitely consider that if I were, you know, looking at a PhD program now. Mm -hmm. So what were the results of your findings if you yeah. came across any? Sure. Um, so they weren't as dramatic as I wanted them to be, we did find that with more frequent contact, we improved self-efficacy. So people, you know, thought they could do better, but we didn't really move the dial as far as the actual blood phenylalanine results. And so this was over a six month period. 
I still clinically very much believe in the more frequent contact in the motivational interviewing um, because these are chronic conditions, you know, and you're, you're working with kids their whole lives and you just have to meet people where they're at. And that's just my personal mm -hmm. belief and, and what's kind of worked for me clinically. Um, but, but no, I wasn't able to show a dramatic change. Mm. Okay. Well, that's still good that you, you know, you still have in the back of your head that there probably is a correlation, even though it wasn't necessarily found in your population. We'll keep trying. Yep. <laughs> So I know you're um, a board set, a certified pediatric dietitian. So are you, do you need anything for, to be a metabolic dietitian? You know, no. And that's actually something that we are working on because when, you know, you can get a, you know, board certified in pediatrics, which is great. And you certainly is needed, but, you know, uh, metabolism is even more specialized. Um, initially our group went to the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and there weren't enough of us to warrant creating this new certification. And I don't believe that the group has, you know, approached A&D recently enough, um, but something that, you know, we're considering of how do we help educate and, and make sure people are qualified to, to treat this population. Mm -hmm. So I, you earlier said that you now work with the pediatric population at FDA and you also worked with them um, up in Boston. So what made you want to work with the pediatric population opposed to older adults with these chronic uh, conditions? You know, I mean, I think it's enjoyable to help people at such an early age. You know, kids are fun. Um and there's the added challenge of not only do I have to, you know, meet the nutrient needs of whatever your condition is, but also in a growing child, you know, whose needs are changing. And so, so all of those, I think, you know, have attracted me to the population and, you know, because in metabolism, they're diagnosed at birth, most of the time, not, not always, um, you know, many times, you know, it just lends itself to the pediatric population as well, but it's really been a rewarding population to work with. I'm sure. So for the children that have these metabolic conditions, are, do their parents have it as well? Or is it not hereditary or genetic? It's a great question. So many of them are autosomally recessive, um, autosomal recessive conditions. And so, so the parents are carriers many times. And, and so, you know, most people really have no idea that this is running in their family. And then it so happens to be running in, you know, the um, the other parents' family as well. We do have some that are X-linked or some that are dominant, but, but by far um, most are recessive conditions. Um, you also mentioned that your husband moving to the DMV area is how you started your job at FDA, but what made you choose that job over a different position? You know, I, I got my job at FDA really through connections with other people. So when I found out I was moving, I reached out to my colleague um, at Children's National who works in their metabolism program. And I said, hey, you know, do you have a job? I'm coming to the area. Um, and unfortunately they weren't hiring at the time, but she knew of a fantastic team at the FDA. And so she introduced me and, you know, I, I met with them and talked to them and it ended up being a good fit for both of us. And so I, I started working here. So that was really just by knowing the right person to ask. That's great. What do you do in your current role at FDA? So I am on the infant formula and medical food staff. So for infant formula in the United States, there is a pre-review or pre-market kind of review process. 
And so we will go through and see if there's any um, anything that would make us concern, you know, that the infant formula wouldn't be safe. We want to make sure the infants are growing well on it, that the protein, you know, in the formula seems to be bioavailable. We also look at specific ingredients to make sure that they're generally recognized as safe. Um, we review, you know, study protocols to make sure that if a, you know, company is going to be doing a study on a formula, that the, the protocol is sound and will actually, you know, give the answers that we're looking for. Um, so really, you know, I kind of looked at it as well before I was, you know, looking after these handful of, of kids, making sure that, you know, they can grow and thrive. And now, you know, we're kind of looking over the U.S. population of infants who are consuming infant formula. So the pop the group you're working with is for you know, general population children, it isn't directly for those with inborn errors of metabolism. Right. So, so now it's actually for both because medical foods are, are, were really designed for inborn errors of metabolism. Mm -hmm. Um, that definition isn't just inborn errors of metabolism, but it certainly was started out that way. Um, but then we also look at, you know, things, um, specialty formulas for, for infants with other conditions, for premature infants, for infants with GI conditions, et cetera. Wow, that's great. What are some things, really valuable things that you've learned at your time in that position? I, um, you know, I think I've learned just, just how important it is to, you know, to do these studies beforehand um, and, and really to have that team that, that's looking over, you know, all of those itty bitty details and, you know, making sure that everything is is up to code when you think about so many different infants who are consuming these products and making sure you know they're safe doing our best to do so definitely and then i guess my final question is what's the most rewarding part of your current job or jobs you've had in the past i, I really think it is the opportunity to help someone reach their full potential you know um you know thinking about working directly with patients it's really rewarding in metabolism because they're chronic conditions. You know, we really treat the same people over and over. So mm -hmm. we get the opportunity to know the families, to know the kids, to help them, you know, meet life's challenges, to figure out how do I, you know, treat this kind of, you know, unfortunate chronic disease and still grow and thrive and, and live a happy life. Um, so that's really been, been awesome, but also just, in metabolism specifically, I'm thinking about, um, you're just such a valued member of the metabolic team because the, you know, the therapy for most of these conditions, the primary therapy is nutrition. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the doctors are, are looking to you to come up with the treatment plan sometimes. And so it's really, it's a fun dynamic and, you know, I haven't worked in, in other areas professionally, so I can't say, you know, if it's the same in, in renal or, you know, different areas, but certainly mm -hmm. metabolism it's been really fun to be a key value member um, of the medical team. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time out to speak with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you.